Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. And all right now, help me welcome our internet family. How y'all doing tonight? Thank you so much for being here tonight. Why don't you turn around and give somebody a high five. Don't slap them too hard. And you can have a seat. Woo! I'm still kind of, come on now. Are you having fun at church or what? <laughs> my, name, my name is Iran, and, and it's my privilege to be here with you. And thank you to Pastor Tim, the executive team, and to Pastor Lee for this awesome, awesome opportunity. Before we get started, I, want to do, I do want to make a few announcements. First of all, we're going to have some fun in church. Okay, that's the first thing. We're going to, that's the first thing. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Bible also says there is fullness of joy. We have a few things coming up, you know, summer series is over, but the summer ain't over, so we're still moving on as a church, and I want to let you know that I need your help. Meadowbrook needs your help. Young kids need your help. We have a thing coming up called Serve Day, and that's July 16th, and it's going to be from 8.30 to noon, but we have to know the context of Serve Day. It's a precursor to Serve Week in November. And what we have to do is plant seed in order to be just connected more and more to the community. What are we going to do during serve day? Two things. We're going to clean and we're going to connect. There at the Marion County uh, Boys and Girls Club, we're going to be there with uh, Stan Creo and some other staff. They, they belong as members of our church. We're going to go there from 830 to about 10 o'clock, we're going to be cleaning their kitchens, their craft room. We're going to be cleaning their windows, their toilets. They have a gymnasium. Guys, those of you that are signed up, we're going to be, have two buses and a van. We're going to be cleaning the van and their buses. That's basically what we're going to do for the first part of cleaning. The second part of connecting is the kids are going to be there to help us clean, but we're going to have two water slides. We're going to have hot dogs, some snow cones, face painting. I don't know about you, but if I was a kid, I'd love to be there. And we're also, we're just going to be connecting with the community. We want to let them know something, that Meadowbrook Church is here and that we care. We want to make a difference in the lives of the next generation. I wish somebody, and they did to a certain extent, would have done that for me. You know why I do that? Because I'm doing it to myself when I was a young kid. I would go to the Boys Club of America and people would come and, and we have great people there. But then also looking a little bit forward on July 24th, which is a Sunday, we're going to have fill the bus. We're going to fill the stinking bus again. And I'm going to tell you this much. You guys have been very, very generous. What we're going to do is on the 16th, we're going to be at the Marion County Boys and Girls Club. But then what we're going to do with half of the products on the 30th of July, we're going to take them there. But in the meantime, we'll also do this with the schools in our area. We connect with College Park. We also want an entrance into Liberty Middle School. Because a lot of our students that are part of our our Fuse and Fuse JV, they, they go to Liberty Middle School. So we need your help for both serve day, fill the bus. And how are we going to do that? We need for you to register tonight at guest services. I need for you to go register. Everyone say register. register. Now to make clear, it's only going to be registration for this 
Wednesday night. There's other ways you can register if you want to serve, okay? But tonight only with registration sheets. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you can smile, I can put you to work. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so be, please be a part of that. But I want to give you context. Everyone say context. Say it like you mean it. Context. The scripture is very clear in Matthew chapter 25. When Jesus said to them, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to see me. And he said, when did I do that? Or when did we do that to you, Lord? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it what? Unto me. You guys are very, very generous and it's very, very obvious for what we have. And we're blessed. But guess what? We cannot just sit and wait. Jesus is coming. No, no, no. Jesus is coming. And we need to be about the master's business. Context. If you knew really that he is coming. If you knew that he is coming. I'll say that again. If you knew really that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming, you and I would act different. We'd speak different. We'd do different. We'd treat people differently. Why? Because we're ambassadors for the most high God. But we really, really have to know. We have to know that Jesus is coming. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Jesus is coming. In that, we know that in Scripture that we need to know certain things. And I've talked to you before about theology, which is the study of God. We need to know and understand a few things concerning doctrine. Doctrine determines how you view God. Your doctrine also determines how you believe God views you. Doctrine also determines what you do. Doctrine is very important. It teaches you something. It brings you to an awareness that you begin to know something. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and you start to talk to them and say, man, that's awesome. What are you doing? And, and they go and turn. They look at you and say, if you only knew. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. But sometimes people go, man, if you only knew. And some people go, man, if you only knew. What they believe determines how they express the story or the information that they have. Question, what kind of doctrine, what kind of story do you understand concerning Jesus Christ? Because he's coming. And there's a song, people get ready. Oh, I'm going to stop there. I better move on. <laughs> when you study theology and you begin to understand God, you have to have a collection of materials concerning the light of the covenant, the unification of biblical theme, laws of first mention, analysis of scripture, textual criticism, and what's that word we talked about, which was context. Everyone say context again. Context brings you to an understanding of knowing something, who is speaking, the setting, the audience, the event, the situation. I ask you today, uh, what's your situation? It got quiet in this Pentecostal Holy Ghost kind of charismatic church. We're singing Breath of God. Everybody's quiet. What's your situation? What's the context of your life that nobody knows that you hide from people? Because you don't want anybody to know that you feel alone or isolated. I want to let you know something. God knows where you're at. 
And he knows how to get you to where he wants you to be. I just came up with that yesterday myself. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) If I was to ask you this question kind of off the cuff, is this. Did you see the trunk? At that moment, all of you are thinking different things. Because is that an elephant's nose, a proboscis? Is it a pair of swim trunks? Is it the torso of a body? Is it a place where you store clothing, blankets, and heirlooms? Is it a place, the large compartment of a car? So the trunk, you have to ask some questions in order to get context. Is that right? But there are some things that we know that sometimes not everybody knows what God is saying. Because we, can, we must know what God is saying and not merely think we know what he's saying. That gives us context. It reminds me of a little story here that I'm going to read to you about a, the preacher with mixed up parables. We're talking about context now. It says, one day a minister went to an interview for a position at a local church. He was asked, do you know the Bible? And he humbly replied. He says, yes. Yes, I believe I do. So they asked him, what is your favorite parable? And he said, I like Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan." And then the board said, go ahead, tell us the story. He says, once there was a man traveling from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked him. But a man set him free that had invited him to a feast. And he was freed. When he was freed, he noticed that a ram was caught in the brush in the thicket. He didn't have any money to pay the man, but he met the queen of Sheba. And she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a hundred changes of raiment. Then he got into a chariot, which he purchased from Queen Sheba, and drove furiously all the way down. But driving by a juniper tree, his hair got caught on the limb. And there he hung for many days. And the ravens brought him food and meat to drink that he ate five loaves and two fish. And it says, and one night while he was hanging on the tree, his wife Delilah came by and cut off his hair. He dropped and fell on the stony ground, and he was knocked unconscious. But soon it began to rain, and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, that the water rose so high that a great fish came and swallowed him up. But three days later, he threw him up on the beach. But he was afraid, and he hid himself in a cave and ate locusts and wild honey. But finally, he came down into Jericho, and when he got there, he looked up into a building, and he saw that old queen Jezebel sitting on the window. She laughed at him, and the man became very furious that he said, throw her down from there, throw her down from there again and again. And they threw her down 70 times 70. (laughs) But eventually Jezebel broke into many pieces, and from her fragments were picked up 12 baskets full, (laughs) enough for each one. You know a good story? Everyone say context. You can take things out of context, and you can have a form of knowledge, but you don't really know. You don't really know. I'm going to talk to you today about something that's that's dear and dear to my heart, but this is this, is this, that we need to understand that God is totally sovereign. God is totally sovereign. He knows all of us. He sees all of us. He can do all things. But we are foolish and do things that are sinful because we think that he does not know what we do. 
God is righteous. He can think no wrong, do no wrong, speak no wrong. And we are foolish and do things and sinful things because we think that he does not care what we do. But God is also just. He is patient and compassionate and merciful, but just. And we are foolish and do things because we think he will not punish us. See, we want the mercy and the compassion and the grace, but we forget that God also punishes. Now, he doesn't punish like he does in the Old Testament, thank God, or, you know, praise the Lord. You know, a lot of us would be caned and stoned to death and be kicked out of town and drugged by horses and all kinds of stuff. But God does punish. Now, before I go any further, this is not a message of doom and gloom. This is a message of, hey, do you know? You have to know that God is a just God, that God is a merciful God, but at the same time, we have to believe that he is just. If we knew, if we truly knew and trusted God, as I said earlier, we would act different, respond different, treat different, and speak different. I'm going to tell you a story in a synopsis and then bring some things out. In John chapter 3, it talks about Jesus came to a Pharisee, or a Pharisee came to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus. And he talked to him about being born again and what that meant. He talked to Ben and told him, you know, hey, you need to be born again. How can a man enter again into his mother's womb and be born again? He's talking to the Pharisee, a symbol of the law. But in chapter 4, he moves forward and it goes to a place of Samaria. So there you have the law, and there you have the Samaritans, two different sects of people, but yet trying to worship one God. One by the law, and one just, hey, we're descendants of Jews, and we're going to worship how we want to worship. One on Mount Moriah, where the temple of Jerusalem is, and the other one in Mount Gerizim, which was an inheritance that they received from Jacob, and there Jesus meets this woman at Jacob's well. That's the context of the story. And Jesus comes by and he sees this woman. Now this woman is is a Samaritan. And we know the story that she's married and not married and the man she has now is no longer her husband. But Jesus comes to her at 12 noon. The custom is that they come in the morning when it's early and cool. How many of you know it's hot in the desert? But he comes at noontime. Jesus was crazy sometimes. And it says there that this woman, there was nobody else there except this woman. Maybe she felt ostracized. Maybe she felt embarrassed because she had all those men. And and she was drawing water and Jesus speaks to her and she gets mad. Because he says, who are you, a Jew, to talk to me, a Samaritan? You ever felt touchy in your life? Don't look at me like you don't know what you're talking about. Somebody get in your business. But Jesus asks her a question. There she is drawing water, and it says animals are drawing water, and Jesus is chilled out. Woman, get me some water. How many of you wives know that if a husband asked you that, that wouldn't work very well? (laughs) Ricardo, don't do it, brother. He says, give me to drink. And then this woman responds to him, well, who are you? And you have nothing to draw with. When Jesus asks you to do something, how many of you respond with a whole bunch of questions? Talking about context. And now we're going to move on here a little bit. 
In John chapter 4, verse 10, and he, Jesus says this, and Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. That's a direct reference to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of what? Living water and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. First is they've forgotten. The second is they've done for themselves. They've taken control. This woman is talking to Jesus and saying, hey, don't talk to me. You're a Jew. Some theologians believe and some scholars believe that this woman was really a prostitute. A prostitute. But if you look at the scripture, it says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Purposeful. Purposeful. Sometimes people in that time would go around Samaria to get to Galilee and back to Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. If you look at Israel, in the Old Testament it was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom being Samaria, the southern being Judah. The capital of Judah was Jerusalem, the city of peace. And the capital of Samaria was Samaria. And they would have to go around to Galilee because they didn't want to touch the Samaritans. So Jesus goes on purpose in the middle of the heat to talk to a woman that might be a prostitute. And all I'm asking you to do is to serve, serve day and fill the bus. <laughs> Context. Man, that line better be long at guest services. <laughs> There's a method to my madness. See, as the older that I get, and I've heard this before and I thought I would never say this, I know certain things now that I wish I would have done differently when I was younger. If I only had known that Apple stock was going to explode, huh? What do you know now that you know it would be better off if you would not have done certain things when you were younger? Everybody does that. And it says, I ask you a question again. Have I asked a, a few people already? That's a holy spit. It just went, shh. <laughs> it's kind of like this. We went on a missions trip not too long ago, and I was talking to some guys. We were talking about golf, and we had done some stuff. And then all of a sudden... I started, you know, talking to this guy about golf, and I'm not a pro or anything, but I, I can play okay, right? Then this person comes and starts talking about golf, but watch. The more this person talked, the more I knew they didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> right? Because there's certain things I've experienced in playing golf that this person thinks. So I asked this person a question, uh, what's your handicap? And he goes, what's that? <laughs> so sometimes in Scripture we think... The Bible says something, but guess what? It really doesn't. I'm going to show you a photo here of the team that went to, to uh, Honduras. Did it come up yet? Ah! I'm the good-looking one, the big one that's covering the whole screen over there. <laughs> Watch. This is the team. Have some graduates there, and that person that thought the new golf was there, and the one that won the lessons is there, too. But I won't say who is who. Ain't that right, Luis? But he wasn't Luis. <laughs> but anyway, 
Watch. Then we worked really hard, and it was hot. I mean, hot. But watch. Then we went to this place. If you can show the next scripture. Watch this. You see that? That place is awesome. But I'm going to tell you some things that I've learned based on context, living water, being uncomfortable by someone asking or the Lord asking you to do something for him. The lady at Samaria, the well, the lady of Samaria was always asking questions. Well, you don't have anything to draw water with. You're a Jew. How are you going to do this? And all Jesus said, give me a drink. And all I'm asking you is sign up for serve week, serve day, and sign up for fill the bus. That's all I'm asking. But you're saying, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this. I gotta. Hey, I'm just asking you something simple. But this is what I learned. When we went there, there was a guide. And this guide knew the ins and outs of this big waterfall. And when I heard we were going to go to the waterfall, I thought, well, we're going to just check it out. No. We went to the waterfall. I'll tell you something about it. She's laughing over here. Watch. The closer we got to it, the cooler it got. But the closer we got to it, the louder it became. And the bigger it became. Then all of a sudden, we took a break. We could hear the water. In fact, we could see it. It was like from here to right there. But there were little pools around there. And we took a dive and we were refreshed. But then the guide said, well, God, or the guide said, we're going forward. We all looked at each other. This guy must be crazy. Watch. And we got closer and closer to the water and it got louder and louder. Then we couldn't see because the water was splashing and coming up. And all we could do is look at the person in front of us and the person behind us. The person in front of us was kind of being the guide from the guide. The guide was up front telling this person do this. Then the next person do that. But you couldn't see anything. It became uncomfortable because he was asking us to do things that we had never done before. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that you've never done before. But watch, the closer we got to the water, the louder it got, and then it was almost like every man for himself. But he said, don't turn back. But some people turned back. And we laughed at him. No, we didn't laugh at him. <laughs> we helped them back to the place where they were comfortable. But there was others that stayed behind with them and others went forward. We got to the place and then we didn't realize except in time that there's a cable along the rock. If people would know or had known that there was a cable along the rock, they would have continued on and not gone backwards. Sometimes in Christ, God will ask you to do something and you see what's in front of you, but you don't know the blessing and the strength and the fortitude and the provision he has for you. He has it for you. Now watch. The, the, at the end, this is what we all looked like. This is the picture, the picture when we were done with the tour, okay? I'm the guy in the front doing this, right? You know why I'm the, I'm the last guy? I'm the first guy here because I was the last guy going up. I was taking care of people, taking care of people. I guess that military thing came out of me. But everybody that was there had a role. And this young lady, can you stand up for me, Ixie, if you don't mind? Come on, I'm going to embarrass the daylights out of you. See her? 
This is Ixia. She's awesome. Give her a hand clap. You know why I pulled her out like that? Because when we were coming down off the mountain and we were all refreshed and everything was cool, there was a 35-foot jump. First, the guide said, who wants to do it? And we all looked. I said, I ain't doing that. <laughs> now, we're, we're not at the waterfall. We're by the river now. So the guide steps out, takes a dive. Psh, and then Joy Vahimenez, guess who the next one is? This lady jumps over the fence, looks at that. She stands on this little platform, looks down. She goes, honey, can I go now? <laughs> what was he going to say? No, she was going already. Here's my point. Here's my point. When you think the ride and the blessing is over, it's just getting started. God wants to bless you. But I want to I continue on with the time that I have and finish up here. It says this, in John chapter 4, verse 10 through 13. I'm going to read this. I'm bringing everything into context now. Jesus answered her and said, if you knew. That word knew is the word ida, which means to comprehend the meaning in order to recall and awareness as in a state of consciousness. Not just knowledge like that, that preacher that thought he knew. But a consciousness, the gift of God. And who it is that is saying to you, give me drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself as he did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I, will, that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to bring your attention back to this waterfall in Honduras. When we were leaving, we were excited. We were laughing, cracking on each other. We were refreshed. We got in the car. We drove down. We were talking about everything. The next day, it began to rain. It was 8.30 in the morning. I opened the door, and a sauna hit me. But we still went out and served at what uh, you were talking about. I believe it was last Sunday, or was it last Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday when they were talking. We went down to the sewer river and ministered to the kids. And then someone had this thought. We had a, a guide there or a host named Steve Ewing, part of our church. And they said, do you think Steve can take us back to the waterfall. Here's the point I'm trying to make. There are many Christians that have drunk from the well of living water. Many, many Christians that have drunk from the water. And they've experienced great, great things. But there are many Christians that have drunk from the well of living water. But they're living a dry, dead, sauna-filled life. And I don't know what you're going through. But as I was driving back in today, the Lord impressed something on me and reminded me. There's a lady here that's a single mom, and you think nobody cares and nobody knows. I want to tell you that you're not alone in this life. If you would let some people in your life that you could trust, pastors, counselors, that we want nothing from you, that we want to give something to you, you may be thinking, how am I going to pay for my kids' school supplies? Come and see me. I just want to tell you that. Something that simple, God can bless you and let you know that you can drink from the fountain of living water and be refreshed. 
I don't know about you, but that's a good word for somebody today. So as we were doing, as we were going back and we wanted to go back, I want to tell you today that you can go back and drink again. This living water doesn't dry out. There's a Spanish song that talks about that the water will, nunca se agotará, el río de agua viva, nunca se agotará. This water will never run dry. This living water will never run dry. And all you and I have to do is come and drink. And it may be difficult. You may be saying, Jesus may be asking you to do something. You may be saying, I can't do that. Just like the Samaritan woman was saying, you don't have anything to drink with. And the well is deep. Some, some scholars believe, and in my study it says that it was between 8 and 9 feet wide and 100 feet deep. That's a big well. Big well. I mean, I have a well at home, and it has a pump, and it's only like this big, right? This 9 feet. Maybe from there to there, and a hundred feet deep, and Jesus is chilled out going, uh, get me some water. Most women would go, get yourself. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is, doesn't matter what you're going through. If you really knew who is asking of you to do something, if you really understood the gift of God that he has already given you by being born again, you could come and drink streams of mercy falling down. Come on. That song was powerful. And I'm here to tell you that you can do it. In Isaiah 12, 3, it says, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You can draw water from the wells of salvation. That's a direct correlation to Zechariah. It will not go up. Zechariah 13, 1, it says, On that day there will be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness with joy. I know some of your lives are bad. I don't make light of it. But I'm here to tell you that if you recognize what salvation did for you, if you recognize that you don't have to question God, just obey God. And you can come and drink from the fountains of living water. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, I mean, I, I remember being born again and excited. And then the next thing, something happened, and, and I thought I was not saved anymore. That ever happened to you? And I remember being there at the, at the, at the, the waterfall. I was going to say cascada, which means waterfall in Spanish. And, and I was there, and, and we were, and it was uncomfortable for, for a while. I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old, and I'm not as flexible as I used to be. But I would climb on those rocks and move up, and it was uncomfortable for me. And sometimes coming to the river of living water, it's going to be uncomfortable for you. You remember what we talked about in the beginning? That God is sovereign, he is righteous, but he's also just. But the good thing that this Samaritan woman was not left alone because Jesus said, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. That's right, you've had five. No matter what your sin is, God can forgive you. God can restore you. I don't care if you've been in ministry and you've fallen out of ministry because of a sexual immorality. I don't know. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But there's some disciplines that might be uncomfortable for you. So I don't know where that came from. Maybe there's somebody in here. I don't know. But I will tell you this. In John chapter 4, verse 15, 
the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. As I read this scripture, it's a comparison. Jesus is talking spiritually, but she's still thinking a little bit naturally. There are things that you need to give up in the natural to totally tie into the spiritual. There are certain things you've got to give up. But when you come to Jesus and you get into that water and you drink, have you ever been out mowing or cutting the grass here lately? And you're tired. You got grass in places you didn't know where it could go. <laughs> and you start desiring something cool to drink. Hopefully it's water or lemonade and hopefully not anything else. But what happens when you take that water and you go, you can taste it already. <sighs> when you come and drink of Jesus like that, really desiring and thirsting after him, all that heaviness, all that weight, all that guilt, Let's pray. Father, since your spirit here, that we don't have to do it at a mountain or at a well. We can do it with you. We just submit our lives unto you. If you're here tonight and you're feeling heavy and weighted and you just need prayer, I'm not going to call you to the front or anything like that. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to just wave your hand up in the air. Thank you. Thank you. Hands. There's another hand and another hand and another hand. Another hand. You can put them down now. Another hand. Just popped up in another hand. Just put your hand. There's another hand and another hand. Thank you, Lord. There's another hand. Remember that we as a church are not the well of life. Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God, is the well of life. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. And with the authority of the believer, I just rebuke and just reject any type of guilt or condemnation. And that you, Father God Almighty, Jesus, the head of the church, would bring your living water upon these lives. Bless them, keep them, surround them. Let them come to you and ask of you for that water. I believe now, dear Lord, that things are being refreshed, that you, Holy Spirit, are asking them to, to give up and to move and to change, but you will never leave them or forsake them. There's forgiveness, there's cleansing, there is refreshing, there is newness of life, there is purpose, there is direction. We know you and we want to know you more and the power of your resurrection. Reveal yourself to us more and more. Your eternal, your infinite wisdom, dear God. We want to know you more and more and never get to the place that we've got it all together. Bless my friends, bless my brothers and sisters, and bless this time that we've had. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you receive something tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. 
We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.